Hey everyone, welcome to Almost Hired, the show about all things related to hiring and getting hired. I'm your host, Jackie Ducci, and today we're going to be talking about how to get hired by a small business. And I'm talking super small, as in like a one or two person shop. So the things that matter in the interview process and the qualities that small business owners are looking for in their candidates are very different than when you're applying to larger companies. Also, I think the thought processes that like a solopreneur would bring to their hiring situations are really unique and for good reason because their companies are unique. So if you're thinking about applying to work for a solopreneur or frankly any company, I guess, with a small number of employees, let's say 10 or less, today's episode is going to give you some really great insight into how to get noticed and ultimately how to win that job. We're also going to talk a little bit about the pluses of working for a solopreneur and why you might want to be open to those sorts of opportunities if you're not already. So my guest today is Clarissa Lindenmeyer. Clarissa is the owner of a consultancy called Proximity to Power, which is based out of Dallas. And she's essentially a business strategist who partners with executives and other entrepreneurs to basically grow their companies. So she specializes in things like marketing, brand strategy, and so on. And the reason I asked her to come on and have this discussion today is because she just made her first official full-time hire a couple of months ago, which is really exciting for her. And given that it's all so fresh in her mind, having just gone through it, um, she's got some really incredible tips about how to impress in the interview process and more specifically, you know, what characteristics and behaviors does it take in that process as a candidate to get the attention of a solopreneur or a small business owner and ultimately be chosen by them. This is a fantastic interview packed with so much great advice. So I really hope you enjoy. And here we go. Hey, Clarissa, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so excited to be joining you today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited as well. You know, I've been thinking about you to have on because you just made your first official hire for your business. Yes, my first full-time hire um, for my business. I went as long as humanly possible without needing (laughs) support help um, and had actually shared an assistant with another colleague, which was also an interesting experience. But this was definitely my first go at finding someone to kind of support everything that I needed help with. That's awesome. And I think your perspective is going to be so great because you're the first guest I've had where you've really kind of been like a solo entrepreneur. And I think that, you know, the thought process is different. The things that you're looking for are different. So it's going to be interesting to kind of hear how you navigated everything. So I guess my first question is, how did you know when it was time? Like, okay, I have to, you know, bite the bullet and and bring somebody on board. How did you get to that point? Yeah, that's a great question. And one I gave a lot of thought to and really probably, I probably delayed it longer than I should have. And I think we all as entrepreneurs and certainly solopreneurs really weigh um, the time it takes to bring somebody into your fold. 
Um, I think you'll hear people like myself always say, oh gosh, it'll take too much time to train somebody. Mm -hmm. It'll take too much time to get someone up to speed. Or is it worth the investment, right? Is there enough work? And I think that's always the balance as you decide to grow and growth being very different for for every kind of uh, company and individual. And so I had definitely gotten to the point where I had enough business, probably too much, right? For just one person to be handling. And then I had gotten to the point where there was enough diversity of the kind of tasks needing to be done that I felt confident that if I could bring someone in, take the time to train them on my customers, my style, what we deliver, how we deliver it, that there was enough work there for that person to really be able to get busy. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think the second thing was that I also needed someone to help me organize my days and schedule to help me project manage tasks and really to kind of keep me on track. So it was, some of it was delivering for the clients and some of it was helping me be more organized and efficient so that I could spend my time doing the most important activities for our clients. Sure. Yep. Did you find that as you were talking to candidates, like were any of them nervous about the prospect of just working for one person as opposed to being with a larger company or was that not really something that you ran into at all? That's a a fantastic question. And it was probably the most eye-opening thing for me in this entire process. As with every first, you learn so much about yourself, your company, and how people perceive your your company and, and the work that you do. I service my clients, but I'm not great at taking care of my website or my brand or my business cards or things that I help people with every day. And so the most interesting part about that was realizing how it was viewed by people that don't know you right? and how it was viewed by people that don't know your brand. Um, So I had the benefit of having a great reputation and being very involved in the professional community that I'm a part of here in Dallas, Texas. But it was such a great process. And I did really appreciate the insight and the feedback that I got from these candidates that didn't know me from the professional community. They, they didn't know me from networking. I hadn't met them on a client job. They didn't know what I brought to the table. They certainly didn't know what my company brought to the table. I walked into the hiring process Like I walk into every process. I was confident. I knew what I needed. I knew the caliber of individual I wanted, but I didn't think about how really ambitious most of the candidates I talked to were women, how young professional women would be approaching their first job that they wanted to get out of college. And obviously nobody's going to sit there and say, oh, hmm, you are oh, there's just one of you. <laughs> and, but because I think I'm a good, I'm a good interviewer and I did listen. And I also gave them the opportunity to talk to my previous assistant who was part-time mm-hmm. and it was, I, I got enough feedback and I even made an offer that was declined. And I'm almost positive. It was because of the perception of what it would be like to only work for one person and also not know a lot about that person, Mm -hmm. which is totally different when you work for big companies. You never give that any thought because the company is big. The brand is big. There's so many processes and procedures and it's just a given that people kind of know what they're walking into. Right. And so 
I, I started making active changes in the way I presented the opportunity, the role, and the organization. Optics matter, right? Perception often becomes truth. And so what I what I learned is that it's okay to be a solopreneur. It's okay to be a small business. Most businesses in our country, right, are not made of thousands of employees. There are many, many small business owners that employ lots of people. But if that's the case, then you should take some pride into it, understanding how to articulate what you do and who you do it with. And for me, the learning moment was getting out ahead of it, right? Not waiting for someone to do research and maybe not find what they were used to because I don't have time to update my website and I'm awful at social media. Instead, I would get out ahead of it and say, hey, look, here is the situation. And then I made it very clear to them that the reason this job feels bigger, and I did think that that was the key. Mm-hmm. People need to feel like they're involved in something big and meaningful and interesting. Ambitious people, yes. <laughs> Ambitious, true. Ambitious people, and that's exactly the kind of person that I needed. But I realized some of these young women that I was interviewing were going up for jobs at massive advertising agencies in Dallas. And so it made me have to, number one, you realize no matter what, I needed to find the right fit. That was going to be a person that wasn't only interested in the name on their resume, that they saw the value and and the differences in what you get in working so closely with an entrepreneur. And that they were actually going to be sitting at the table they were actually going to be client facing. They were going to sit in some really important meetings and the learning was going to be exponential. So I had to get out ahead of that and tell the story faster and really paint the picture of here's the kind of clients you're going to be dealing with. Here are the kinds of things that we have worked on. We have helped a client of ours launch a podcast, write a book, do interesting things. And all of a sudden they're like, Oh, yeah. They're never going to get to do that probably at a massive company, or they're going to be part of a team that does it or something else. The experience is not so hands-on. A hundred percent. And you have to view it kind of like you do dating, which is that people are in relationships and that's what it is when you hire someone for different reasons. And I remember so clearly kind of talking to one young woman who I could tell she had that like vision of like the sex in the city moment with her handbag <laughs> and her high heels walking into the office and kind of having the, the devil wears Prada experience. And that's what she envisioned. Right. And, and I wasn't going to be able to give that to her. And because of COVID really nobody was going to be able to give that to her, but all these individuals had to kind of make a decision. Do I want that big box experience, which is full of positives, or do I want more access? And at the end of the day, when you hire someone, you really want it to be a good fit for both parties. You never want to force somebody into kind of accepting something. And I even at the end of our interviews, I would ask them, do you have any questions or hesitations about this being a small shop? And if they did, I could say, let me paint the picture for you how this might feel and look differently. And painting that complete picture was was so much better than just, again, them leaving it to their own assumptions. Exactly. No, that's really smart. And I think for candidates too, 
they need to do that same kind of self-reflective work of, okay, what environment is best for me? Because if they go in and they just lie to you about, you know, what they're looking for, where they're comfortable, then it's much harder to make a good match. Absolutely. And it's, and it's interesting because I think when you're really certain and unabashed about what you offer a potential hire, that's when you find the best match. And I was super bold about the fact that along with some of the, you know, quote unquote cons of working for a smaller company, there were so many positives, some of which I already alluded to having a seat at the table, building out a professional network, which I will say is an actual currency, right? And that huge, huge advice to young people that I think I accidentally created an amazing network and have an amazing Rolodex through the work I've done, but I, but I didn't set out to do that as a priority. And the, the kinds of individuals that have and will work for me will build out an amazing Rolodex of people that can help them all along the way. And you know how small of a world it is. And so understanding that that is a legitimate currency and realizing that that's part of the opportunity was one of the big perks, along with the fact that there are not just older people that are concerned about COVID, right? There are lots of younger people that are trying to be cautious too. And I did see quite a bit of interest and just appreciation from some of the groups that for whatever reason, maybe they had, maybe they had a health issue or somebody in their family and they really wanted the ability to work from home for as long as possible. And that was a huge upside that my mindset on, on work is get the job done, right? I am all about people designing their life. And if that means you want to wake up at 5 a.m., do three hours of emails and go on a jog every day at nine, great. I don't care. Get the job done. And that really resonated with candidates as well. That's great. I love what you said, too, about um, just being bold about who you are and really putting it out there. Because I think that's something on both sides that when that happens, that's when the magic happens, right? Because you're able to make a good match. But it's so funny because I talk to people all the time who are afraid to do that and they think it's counterintuitive. Like they want to be like a candidate, for example, they want to be as broadly appealing as possible. So they think, well, if I'm a little more vague about it, I'll just appeal to more employers. And it really doesn't work that way at all. I mean, it's like when you feel like you're interviewing someone who is telling you exactly who they are, they're way more attractive than if you're getting these answers where you're like, well, I can't really get a sense of what I'm dealing with here. Yes. And of course, and just like I have to be certain about what I want, what I don't want and what I need, the same thing goes for anyone that's looking for a job. And I think, you know, we've all been there, right? I'm graduating college or I'm a couple of years out of college and I just really want to get a job. And COVID provided other challenges because people were laying off and all of a sudden you have a larger talent pool out there vying for fewer jobs. Everybody has been there where it's like, I just need to say what I need to say and try to fit so that I can get the paycheck. And that is a human normal moment. So I'm not discrediting that. Sure. But in theory, when you're interviewing from something, you really should be as authentic to you as a human being and also to your skill set as possible. I, I like to talk a lot about how I'm a bona fide generalist. But I earned that, right, over the course of my 
20 year career. I just dated myself, but, and I'm proud of that because I've done a lot of the specialties. I've done all the things to get me where I am now, where I understand how to put the ingredients together and deliver. But what I want for someone that I'm hiring to bring in is I really need to understand, can you write? Mm-hmm. And if you can't, great. I can I can still weigh that into the decision. It's not the whole job, but I need to know that you can't write. But you're an amazing designer or you're extremely creative and strategically on digital marketing. Specialties, especially at certain levels, really matter. And I think people just being clear about, yeah, I do this, I do that, I don't do that. Some of the candidates that I interviewed that were, and by the way, we all talk about the different generations, right? You have like Gen X and millennials and hybrid versions. And now we've got like the next group coming behind millennials. And we all kind of poke fun about the different characteristics of the group. Mm -hmm. And what I will say about this current group that's coming up behind millennials, and I'm actually forgetting what the heck they call it. I think it's Gen Z. I think it is Gen Z. I think you're right. So they are unabashedly themselves and they do care a lot about how they feel about things and how the work they're going to do makes them feel. And I have opinions and some suggestions about that. But where I'm going with this is that I saw some of these individuals do exceptional things with their resumes and even portfolios that really shocked me. And some of these people would send a great resume and like, oh, here's a portfolio of all my work. And all of a sudden I'm looking at a website that immediately gave me a sense of who they were. And granted, I'm in the field of marketing and strategy and brand. And so that's in that wheelhouse, but I could tell their personality, obviously their ambition level. I could see some of the actual work that they worked on and it, it helped so much. So I just, I have to say that because those candidates that kind of went the extra mile, I didn't even know to ask for that, but it really did help me understand who they were. And it made a huge difference. Well, yeah, because then you're sort of seeing them in three dimensions, right? Instead of just being like, okay, all I have to go off of is a resume and an interview. (laughs) You know, when you can see what someone can actually do, that's a clue into what the work would be like if you brought them on. That's huge. Yes, absolutely. And it's funny, back to what I was saying about the different characteristics, you know, I am part of that hybrid model where I, I was born, I'm not technically a millennial by just, I don't know, two years, but I was born in a, what I would say, a traditional era. I know how to use a phone book and I made thousands of calls on real telephones <laughs> um, because I was in sales and I'm really proud of that, but I grew up in a completely digital age. So I'm this weird hybrid. So when I look at candidates and interviewing, I I can't help that I I still sometimes have a little of that old school in me, which is like, what do you mean? What what do you ask? Why are you talking to me about your feelings or what impact the work? (laughs) Right. Why do, why are we talking about the impact? Like just, right. It's a job, like do the job. Don't complain. Right. But, but again, being the hybrid, I do recognize that the talent force, right, of the future just does. They care about the world. They care about impact and the kind of role that they are going to have and how it will contribute. My advice to candidate interviewing, 
especially because most of the people that are hiring them probably are more like me, is to take that passion and zest for life and for the planet and for caring for different things in the world and for wanting to make a difference and always make that relatable to how it will actually make them better at the job. Yes. And how that will help the company progress. Because no matter what age you are, we've all had to learn the skill of taking what you're good at and what interests you and making it about the job. Yes. And that's never going to change in my opinion. And here's why that's so important. Because to an employer, they're going to hear that and they're immediately going to think longevity. Like if they have a mission that aligns with something that the candidate is talking about or whatever, if they're getting the sense from that person that, you know, the things that they care about are going to be relevant to that job and to that company, that employer is going to be like, okay, this is great because it's a match. And that means they're going to be more likely to stay long-term as opposed to kind of be looking for the next best thing, right? I mean, that's a big deal, I think. Yes. And I think we talk about emotional IQ and awareness a lot these days. And it's one of the things I say a lot about the work we do at Proximity to Power is that we are knowledge brokers. We're not just shuffling papers. We're not just doing tasks. We really work with our clients on thinking about solving problems. Mm -hmm. So for me to hire a person that's going to be brought into that sphere, which was honestly probably why I, I delayed that for so long, they have to be able to pick up on all of the things that's going on in a conversation and in a room or on a project that takes emotional awareness and IQ. And so when you're able to take in an interview, the things that matter to you and weave them into how it will make the job and the company better, that's a huge win, right? You also see that their emotional intelligence is high and, and you realize that they're going to have certain skill sets that play in that space. Mm-hmm. I love that. So then, okay. So beginning process when you're in the phase of reading resumes, like very initial before you've met anybody, mm-hmm. were there certain things that people did that got you instantly excited about them or made you feel instantly like, oh, this one's going in the trash can? Like what kinds of things did you pick up on early stage? I think, you know, this isn't everything, but I'm human, so it affects me. It's something that's well designed and it looks not pleasing aesthetically. And I can't say that that's advice for every kind of job. But for me, for the kind of clients we serve and the kind of group that the consultancy that we are, it just matters that things look packaged. And so I would say, even if somebody didn't have a super like big time aesthetic, if it was just well laid out, and easy on the eyes, right? To draw attention to different parts of your career, meaning the education versus the experience, and just make it easy, literally, literally and functionally easy to consume. Yes. That was that was thing one. The thing two would be, you know, it goes without saying that it does like it's funny how I was talking about this before. When you see someone that has worked for really cool brands or been in certain environments. When I see somebody that has worked for a startup or interned for a technology company, I know right away they have seen a fast-paced environment, right? 
um, that tells me something about them or someone that's extremely involved in the community and, and is very, you know, does a lot of philanthropic stuff with their time. I can, I, I'm getting the sense that they're well-rounded. And so I like a resume that just kind of, it really does tell a story at a high level because we all know that the interview is way more important, but those are the things that got my attention. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you are not alone in that. This It's so funny. This is a question that I get all the time from candidates about formatting and how to do that. And it really does matter because it's really funny. Like there are a lot of resumes that we look at that are just very complex because a lot of them are more senior level professionals. But if there's just a lot of clutter or things are not said succinctly, like they think they're going the extra mile and putting all this content on there. But like you said, if it's not easy to digest, it just gets lost. And a lot of times employers will even look at that and be like, is this a person that's not going to communicate succinctly in person? I mean, they make those kind of deductions. So I think people need to be really aware. It's like the way that they format that document, it's almost similar to walking into an interview and like picking out what you're wearing. Like visually, there is a clue about you and the image that you're putting out there. And it really is important. Absolutely. All of it matters. And I think it's people's tendency, again, when they want something, right? They're trying to get something. They're trying to win an interview. They're trying to win the job. So when you get in that mindset, you're like, oh, wow, this is my chance. I have to make sure I say it all. I have to tell them all the things about this project (laughs) or all of the details about this campaign. And that's not the purpose of a resume, right? That's the purpose of an interview is to dig in and really explain some of those big wins or examples of success. The resume, it's basically, you want to just pique someone's interest. Yes. You you want to be like, oh, it's, it's like those emails that you get and they have some crazy subject line and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to open that and find out what, <laughs> what's underneath. Yep. And so if you have a resume that they're like, look, look, I, I did some cool things. I did some big things. If you want to know more, set up an interview with me. And I think you want a resume that builds anticipation of a further conversation, not that you try to put a conversation on paper. We call that word vomit. that's the antithesis of what we want. (laughs) It's literally about, okay, that resume is just your ticket to get the interview really is what you're saying. And I completely agree. It's just to get you to that next phase. And then you can have a real conversation and you can dig in and say, I'd love to tell you about this one thing I did that I think you'd find completely applicable. So just, I think people understanding that they don't have to do everything on the resume. Makes sense. No, I totally agree. And then what about interview phase? So after you kind of whittled down to how many people did you interview? Oh, gosh, I I interviewed a lot. I would say probably 20 or 25. Whoa, that's a lot. It's a lot. And part of it was that I really did see so many good resumes. Wow. And I will say this also, it took me a little longer to hire than I was expecting for a lot of reasons. It was summer and travel. It was COVID. It was some of what we talked about before. It took me the first kind of round to understand that I wasn't doing myself any favors with the way I was presenting the opportunity. Mm. And that was when I kind of early on made an offer and she was waiting on another offer from a, a larger firm. And And so I kind of iterated and pivoted from my first approach. 
but because I had just gotten so many good resumes and I just, I, hiring is just so important and it's so nuanced. I just really wanted to get it right. And ironically, the person that I hired, she was, she's totally the right person. And she was probably the second to last person I interviewed. And so, you know, um, interviewed a lot of people is what I should say. Yeah, that's great. So, okay. So during that interview phase, when you're actually sitting, were you sitting face to face? Were you doing it virtual? What was the timing of all this? All virtual. I did it in July and yeah, I mean, not a one-on-one meeting. I, when I hired Erin, I did not meet her for almost three months later. Wow. Wow. (laughs) That's wild. But I think that that's so typical now though. Yeah. It's very typical, but it's like, think about all the other, your senses, your other senses that give you clues about people when you're in person, right? how they enter a room, their, their grace or their presence. And so that's much different on a screen, but I did do what I kind of did initial interviews and then I would move them if I liked them to kind of a, a next round with my previous assistant. And then I would kind of wrap it with a final interview. And I actually had a couple of follow-up questions via email. And really, I wanted to see, I'm all about seeing like, will people go the extra effort? Mm. So would someone do a little homework, so to speak? But I will say, and I don't know, you're, I think you're taking me there, but I, I had some definite, some interesting learning moments and some, I think some good tips for people that are interviewing. Yeah. Let's hear it. That was absolutely where I was going. (laughs) Yeah. I think, you know, again, you have to be yourself, but that doesn't mean that there aren't best practices. And the most impressive things are follow-up and attention to detail and enthusiasm, you know? And so I did not understand how important the enthusiasm factor would be. Someone just blatantly saying, I really like what you're doing. And I really want to be a part of that. It's huge, huge. And again, something I took for granted when I worked for bigger brands and I hired a ton of people that knew what they were getting into. And so the runner up to this role, and she would have been an amazing hire also. And I adored her, um, had the most impeccable follow-up and Like her level of enthusiasm was just off the charts. Like her likability factor almost made me hire her over Aaron for a split second, even though I think Aaron really had the skills that were perfectly suited for what we were doing. And so, so that cannot be underestimated. The follow-up is just, people are always thinking about how it feels to them. Oh my gosh, why hasn't that employer gotten back to me? Or, oh, I haven't heard for them. Or I what, what should happen next? And you really have to just take yourself out of it and realize that, you know, people are busy, companies are busy, lots of priorities, and you just got to keep your head down and stay in the game. Follow up with someone appropriately. Obviously don't be a pest and don't take it personal. If the person hiring you isn't on your timeline. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you just have to realize, yes, technically you are at their you know, the mercy of their schedule. So just keep it moving and keep checking in at a, uh, obviously a normal cadence. And then the attention to detail thing, I cannot stand when I'm 
you know, I'm trying to hire you to write you a paycheck, right? That's ultimately what's happening. And (laughs) I have said in the job description that a third of the job, it's administrative operational support, right? You are going to help me with scheduling. You're going to help me with some details, but then you'll ask me something like, wait, what's your address? Oh yeah. What's your email address or what's your phone number? And And I'm like, no, 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 no take some initiative and go do those three second Google. And those are the things that probably turn me off the most because it's a habit of someone kind of needing to have someone do for them versus them doing for themselves. It's like you're calling it attention to detail, but it's almost more initiative. That's the way that I see that. Yes. Are they going to be proactive? And this is, that's a great point because I think it's more critical when you're working for a small business or a solopreneur, that initiative, like you're looking for somebody that isn't going to be coming to you every three seconds with something because there is no buffer, right? They don't have a manager other than you. So yes, yeah, for somebody to actually be proactive is critical, I think. Absolutely. And just anything that, you know, I was shocked at the number of people that did not send thank you notes. And I don't mean in the mail, I mean, an email. And I was dumbfounded by it, frankly. And it's not even the kind of thing that's like make or break, but it does just like, again, where's the initiative? And that's what I mean by, yeah, be yourself, be authentic, but there are certain things, be on time and show up looking like you're ready to do the job. Again, I own the company. If I decide to show up with wet hair and in pajamas, like I, it's my prerogative, (laughs) but you're trying to get the job, which means I don't need you in a three-piece suit, but just, you know, you might look like you showered and that you're ready for a real conversation. And I don't think that that's ever going to go away even if it's for a casual, cool tech startup, and I work with a lot of those, I think you you need to show up ready to party. And then, you know, once you get the job, you can kind of fit into company culture. Because again, it goes back to that enthusiasm factor. Like if you yes. look like you don't care, it's going to be interpreted like, well, then why should I give you the time of day? Yes, absolutely. And then the last thing I'll say, and this kind of goes back to the fact that these Gen Z, you know, they are definitely in their feelings. And I think that's a good thing. I, I hope that that generation helps a lot of the social things that we've got going on. I think that there's a reason for that. But I think that they have, this is the emotional IQ thing. You can't bring too much personal stuff into a job interview, especially when someone doesn't know you. And I'm not saying don't talk about the fact that you love dogs and you like to water ski. That's awesome. But what I don't want to hear is like 10 minutes of, I'm so sorry, I had to reschedule that. My mom was sick and then I had a car issue. And then I know all I hear is excuses. Yes. And even if they're not, even if they're legitimate, you're frankly, you're just oversharing. Yes. Right. Yes. And that is a, a huge thing for people that are interviewing to be aware of. Nobody wants to know why you couldn't make something happen. Yes. For so many reasons. <laughs> for so many reasons. So just say, I, I really, I'm sorry. I couldn't make this happen. I, I like, can we do it another time? You know, just own it and ask for what you need and keep it moving. But the oversharing and that, 
you know, that's something I see a lot. I mentor a lot of um, young professionals and I'm involved in different institutions. And I think the need to over explain, overshare, oh, I couldn't do that thing because I had a, no, 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 no. Just can you do the thing? If you can't, let me know. And <laughs> let me know what your solution is for getting it done. Well, it's so funny too, because it's not just younger people that do that. Fair point. We interview people all ages. And that is one of my biggest pet peeves. Like you said, when they just over share, and sometimes we will ask personal questions as a recruiter, it's a little different, but you know, it's like, there's nothing more irritating than when you're getting way too much information that you didn't ask for. And the thing that it makes me think is, is this person super dramatic in general? Like, is this what they're going to be like if they go to work for my client? It's beyond just, can they get the thing done or not? It's also what kind of energy are they bringing to a work environment? And is it this chaotic mess? Yes, absolutely. And I think that's a really great point, right? All the signals you're giving in the way you present your resume, how you show up to the interview, what you talk about, how you make excuses, employers are looking for clues, right? You're just offering a snapshot about what the future looks like. Yeah. And I think the lesson is like literally every single thing that you do say, everything you project, it does matter and it is being interpreted in some way or another. Like people, I think, tend to think, oh, well, you know, such and such isn't a big deal or, you know, they get sloppy about certain things and like literally everything they're doing as a candidate is under the microscope. Literally. Yes. And I think what people have to understand is that humans are interesting creatures. So even if someone, there's so much that affects like your subliminal, right? That you, there's just every little detail is being analyzed, even if the person asking the questions doesn't realize it. Mm, Yep. Very true. So even more reason to kind of put attention to detail. Okay. So then you got through your several interviews. How many people kind of made it through all three and you were feeling good about them? Oh gosh. Again, again, like early on, remember I kind of had two rounds. So I want to say a couple on the first round and then probably, I'm trying to think about how many people Lucy spoke with. She probably spoke with five or six. Okay. Yeah. And then did she have strong opinions about people? Yes or no? She did. And I'm so glad I made the decision to keep her really involved because first of all, I wanted another set of eyes and ears on these people that I thought were, you know, finalists, but I wanted it from her perspective because Lucy had spent time in the role, getting to know me, getting to know the clients, understanding the tasks. And I think there's always just something to be said for honest banter between two people that aren't the ultimate decision maker. So she had opinions, but more than anything, I feel like she was able to better emphasize and describe me and what the role was. And I had many candidates say to me um, when I spoke to them after the fact, oh my gosh, Lucy was so helpful. After talking to her, I understand this so much better. And so she totally had strong opinions None of the finalists were people that she would have been like, oh, no, not that one. <laughs> right. But it was really more about energy and fit. And and she, re- she really a- was able to support me in that a lot. That's great. And I think for candidates, too, keep in mind that if you are 
given an opportunity to speak with someone who's been sitting in the role before potentially you would, that's a huge deal. That's a huge opportunity to learn. And you should have a million questions for that person because who knows? I mean, it's one thing to talk to you as the owner, but to talk to someone who's actually sat in the seat and done the job is big. 100%. And I think you know, you just mentioned something that we haven't talked about, but I can't under or you know overestimate the importance of asking good questions. And I think it's funny. I, I mean, I, I talked to several people that I'd be like, "Do you have any questions?" And they'd say, "Oh, no. I think you kind of covered everything." And questions indicate interest. They indicate that they were paying attention. You know, in my mind, I'm like, how can you have no questions? I know I wasn't that clear, right? I know that I'm, you know, in my mind, it's perfectly clear. But I mean, ask me all the things and challenge me, right? Like, okay, you said this, but is is what does that mean? This and and that to me again shows someone's initiative, their ambition, and really just their kind of a bit of their grit and hustle. Um, but there were some impressive candidates that, oh yeah, I had pre-wrote questions, you know, I looked you up and I researched and I wanted to better understand this. And it's just, it's a huge sign of positivity, you know, that period. Oh, and the other thing that I found so interesting, the people that took notes, I mean, just might as well get moved up to the top of the list. (laughs) Really? Yes. And it's really interesting because, and, 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 but this is funny because interviews are not normally one of those things where you would take notes, but because you're virtual and I was giving them like so much information and I had told everybody, you know, this is, we're going to chat and then you'll have an opportunity, you know, if we, if you move to the next round to talk to Lucy, et cetera. And again, it, there was just something about it. Those people that were like, Oh, okay. And they would write it down. Didn't mean they were taking notes the whole time. And I think part of it is that in my work and in the job, it is so important that people take notes. And so for whatever reason, it just really mattered to me. (laughs) No, that makes sense. Again, it's all about fit. Like you're seeing how they're going to behave potentially in that role at your company. And so what's attractive to one employer may not be to the next or what one thinks is weird, the other one loves. I mean, and that's part of why it's so important to be authentic, right? Because then the right people are going to notice you for the right reasons. So then, all right, how about you got to the end of the process with that handful of people? How did you make your final decision? And how did you know, like, Aaron is the one that I want to bring on board? Oh, gosh, great question. And um, it was really hard. As I mentioned, there was a couple of other really good candidates, one in particular, who was just a doll. And, um, and I really, as an employer, what I had to do And by the way, Erin is a complete doll. She just is a quieter human being. And it's really important, I think, that we don't just hire people that we instantly are like, oh my gosh, we could go have coffee together. Yes. You can't just hire people that are just like you or that make all your likability, you know, emotions in your brain happy. There was just something about Erin. Well, she had all the right skills and then really great follow-up. She sent such an amazing follow-up email and she was a note taker. And so she was like, okay, this is what I heard you say. I am so excited about this, this, and this. 
I think that my skills could help with this, this, and this. I really feel strongly that I can help you in this role. And I'm super excited about it. Her, her email really is what did the trick. And it, because it checked so many boxes, Mm -hmm. right? Showed the enthusiasm, showed the initiative, showed the follow-up, showed attention to detail because she took notes and regurgitated what I said, but contributed to it. And, And then again, reinforced how her skills would make my company better. And just the time it took to put that together, it was above and beyond the, I mean, exponentially the the most well done follow up i had received in the entire process and i ultimately just knew i needed that kind of person to help me with my clients mhm that's such a big deal and literally everybody that i work with on the client side even i mean guests on this show over and over again that is the one common thread everybody talks about enthusiasm and how important that is it's just so universal and you can understand why yes i mean candidates, like put yourself in the shoes of like, if you owned a business, wouldn't you want to bring people on who are excited (laughs) to be there? Yes. A hundred percent. Well, congratulations on a great hire. It sounds like you did make the right decision. (laughs) Yeah. And that's really exciting. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. It was a good process and it was fun to learn so much. And I, uh, you know, Hopefully we'll be doing it again soon. So yeah, that's wonderful. Well, thanks for all of your advice. Um, all really good stuff. Can we hear a little bit more before we end about your company? And is there any contact information you want to share? How can people find you? Yeah, absolutely. So my consultancy is called Proximity to Power. And that's actually kind of a homage to what we were talking about before with the network and the Rolodex and the currency behind having proximity to not just powerful people, but powerful pieces of information and knowledge. And, you know, ultimately what we try to do for our clients is to help solve hard problems. Our skill set and, you know, our toolkit is largely in the sales, marketing, brand, and strategy umbrella. We really try to approach it not as just order takers, right? So, so often someone says, I have this thing I want to do. Can you help me do it? Like people will say, can I have, can, I need to, I, I want to produce a video and I'll say, well, okay, well, what do you want to, what, what do you want to accomplish? Who are your customers? Do you know what you want to say to them? Do we have a plan? And so we just try to help people really rethink the ordinary. And, you know, we work with small business owners, healthcare systems, and even some government agencies. Um, and really proud that we have such a diverse and agnostic client list. And working with small clients and big clients, that kind of diversification actually helps all of the people involved. So we, we love the, the kind of individuals and the kind of organizations that we serve. And we love doing creative, interesting, different kinds of projects every single day. So yeah, and um, we, I will say the other thing that we do that I'm super proud of and excited about is we help source the right vendor for the right moment. All too often in the agency world these days and in consulting, that's why you see agencies and consultancies get big is because they try to be everything to everyone and they, they, they hire, right? Oh, I got someone that does PR. Oh, I have someone that does websites. I have someone that does copy. And unfortunately, 
because we like working with such a di- diverse and agnostic group of clients, we don't we're, we can't just hire a PR person that could service all of our people. So what we help do is say, okay, what is your need? Do you need a $5,000 logo or do you need a $45,000 brand package? How do you go find the group that does that for you? And how, you know, how do you make those decisions? So that's a lot of what we specialize in. And then how can people find you online? Oh yeah. So um, we have a website, as I mentioned, which is not amazing, but it is proximity to power.com. And, um, and then we're on social media also under proximity to power. And my name's Clarissa and you can, I can be emailed at Clarissa at proximity to power.com. Fantastic. All right, Clarissa. Well, thank you again. This was awesome. Yeah, I had so much fun. You make it easy and conversational. (laughs) Next time we have to do it with some wine. (laughs) Yes, I know. It was a little early in the day for that today. Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Clarissa. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Have a good one, Ducky. Okay, everybody. Thank you so much for listening as always. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you could take a quick second out of your day to leave a five-star review. And while you're there, also be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. For more information about the show, about me, Jackie Ducci, or about my company, Ducci & Associates, you can check out www.ducciassociates.com. That's D-U-C-C-I associates.com. We're also on social media at Jackie Ducci and at Ducci Associates. Thanks again for listening and we will see you next time.